0: Welcome to history class after hours. I'm Joe Barron. Joining me today is Wes. Hello there. Today we're going to talk about a pirate. Arg. You mates Arg. So every time you hear something, Yo, ho, ho. every time ho, you ho, hear ho. the word pirate, you got to go arg in the background. Arrgh. Or at home. Oh yes. So today we are going to talk about. Cheng Yi Sao, uh, who is often considered to be the most successful pirate. Argh! <laughs> um, But what makes Cheng Yi Sao um, different is the fact that she's a woman. And that was something you very rarely saw in piracy. Uh, so the golden age of piracy is often considered to happen between the years 1650 and 1730. Uh, this is when we get that idea of the pirates of the Caribbean. All right, so the, Eng- uh, the English, the Dutch, the French, the Spanish, they all have colonies in the Caribbean. And what they're doing is they're all, they're all at war with each other. So they're paying people to become pirates. Yeah, They're called privateers. Basically got a letter from the government saying, we give you permission to go steal other people's things as long as it's not ours. What ends up happening is those wars end, and the pirates were like, what do we do now? We don't have a job. So they just continued pirating. And then eventually they formed the country of the Bahamas. Yes, Nassau was formed, founded by pirates. Um, and these are the ones that we probably most remember. Um, Blackbeard, probably being the most famous. Daniel Teach was that his real name? Edward. Edward Teach. Yes, that'd be another good one. Um, one, though, however, would break the mold and become the most of one of the most famous pirates after the Golden Age of Piracy. Her name is Cheng Yi Sao at the height of her power she would operate over 400 ships and have somewhere between 40 to seventy thousand pirates operating under her that was larger than the english navy during this time period and the english navy was often considered to have the most powerful navy in the world she would amass so much wealth that she had to keep detailed records just to know how much she had that's something you didn't really see with pirates because they just kind of took stuff and then spent it spent it yes And there is no such thing as buried treasure. Sadly. Sadly. didn't Captain Kidd bury some treasure somewhere, and then they found it like a week later? I think so. I think that's like the only uh, account of there ever being buried treasure and someone actually finding it. They think that the pirates probably just threw out treasure maps all over the place so people would look (laughs) in the wrong areas and not actually look like on their boat where it really was. So she was a product of China in the 1800s. A lot of women worked on the seas, which was unheard of in the West, but typically they would, if they were working on the seas, on boats, things like that, they were um, tagging along with their husbands. She lived during the Qing Dynasty, which would be the last Chinese dynasty, and was around from 1644 to 1911. Do you know who the last emperor of China was? No, I don't. Oh, his name was Pui. Pu Pui has an interesting story. He will later become a puppet for the Japanese in Manchuria. And then after World War II, he's thrown in a re-education camp and he becomes a janitor within the um, Forbidden City. That's really... To add insult to injury, uh where it's like, oh, you are now the janitor of the place that you used to call home. Really good movie about him. It's called Last Emperor. Um, Even though quality of life for the average Chinese civilian was deteriorating, European countries, especially the British, wanted to trade with China. That's when the King of England is famously going to send Lord McCartney to China to try to open up trade. The Chinese said, We don't want any of your stuff. And England said, Oh, yes, you will. <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, the only port where foreigners were allowed to trade was where modern is where the modern-day city of Guangzhou is. It was a bustling hub of trade. British American and Dutch traders uh, bought silk porcelain tea they took it back home and they would sell it for massive profits uh, some traders can make a 500 percent return on their investment that's a lot of money that is a lot of money get me in yes so westerners were crazed for tea one of the main reasons why is their water was trash they had to boil it and <laughs> tea gave it flavor it's one reason why they all drink alcohol too Because alcohol is actually more healthy than drinking the water. (laughs) Woo, the times they lived in. Uh, This would give the Chinese the upper hand in trade. Most Chinese merchants would not accept goods in return and would only accept silver as a payment. Um, Basically, the Chinese thought Western goods were inferior. And they're like, there's no need for us to have these things because we have all this awesome stuff. Look, you guys want it pay us please that's a sense of nationalism (laughs) so the english uh, cannot accept this and decided to even the trade deficit so what they would do is introduce opium to china the great opium wars yes you will get the great opium wars and they would only accept gold and silver in return so what happens is opium becomes a major issue in the upper classes of china they even have what are called opium parlors which are like bars where they just smoke opium And the opium is coming from India, which is now controlled by the British East India Trading Company. Um, So much money was flowing out of China that the emperor tried to ban the sale of opium. Uh, It was estimated that 40,000 chests of opium were being smuggled into the country a year, most of it through the city of Canton. This is going to lead to the opium wars. Basically, the Chinese emperor says, stop, please stop. Our people are addicted to opium stop, please. And England's like, make us. We got big boats with guns. And they sail in those big boats with guns, and they destroy the Chinese Navy extremely quick. And then they're like, all right, you started this war, you have to give us Hong Kong and pay us money. Yep. And that's how the British get control of Hong Kong. And this is going to lead to the deterioration of imperial China, because at this point, that's when you start seeing the open door policy, and more and more European countries are going to start to flock in. Um, Another unique feature of Canton was the flower boat. These were floating parlors slash bars that would be housed by courtesans, which were considered to be high class prostitutes. And basically they just floated around in the ocean and would go to incoming traffic. That was a major industry back then. During this time period in China, women had very little rights. Their main purpose was to bear sons. They were meant to be wives and mothers and not really work. Daughters were valuable only to fetch a bride price and becoming a potential son bearer for other families. They were treated as guests in their own homes upon marriage. And the belief was why invest the time and money on your daughter, if they were eventually just going to go join another family anyway. So as you can see, women didn't have a whole lot of rights and weren't expected to do much. Uh, Women were also conditioned not to expect much. Uh, What they could expect were arranged marriages probably bound feet and illiteracy not looking good if you don't know what foot binding is it was a status symbol in imperial china Um, so what they would do is at a young age a girl's toes would be broken they would then fold the toes under their feet and tie them with a rope basically the toes to the heel The arch of the foot is then broken and folded upward. So now the toes point towards the heel. The foot is wrapped tightly in bandages until it resulted into a three inch, what they called the three inch golden lotus. So basically their feet are now three inches in in length. Reason why it became a status symbol is if your feet look like that, you're probably not doing what? Running away. (laughs) Never thought about that way, but you're not working. Yeah, you're not working or moving around very well. So it became a status symbol that if your feet are bound, obviously you come from a family of money. So then you might be quite the catch. All right. So women with bound feet suffered from muscular atrophy, infection, paralysis, and even death. It's predicted that 10% of the girls who would go through the process of it would die. All right. Um I think there's, there's a handful of women left in China that still have, st- still have their feet. I think so. And um, now they're like part of a circus. They just go around and show everybody their feet because <laughs> that's really it was banned like uh, in the thirties, twenties, somewhere around there. Yeah. And so like, it's like a relic of the past and people are still interested in it. So they're like, here, look at my feet. That's a $100. really weird circus. Yeah, feet are disgusting anyway. And if, if you see pictures of it, it's not, it's it's not, not a pretty sight. Um, if a woman was not married, they had the chance to enter into a man's household as a concubine. So what the role of the concubine was, if the man could not have a son with his wife, the concubine would fill in and try to have one. Needless to say, it would be very hard for women during this time to get ahead in society, which makes the story of... Cheng Yi Sao, so fascinating. Uh, Very little information could be varied about her. It's not known if she was educated or if she even had her feet bound, no one knows. Like, so her whole backstory is kind of a blur. Um, No one even knows where her real name is. Cheng Yi Sao literally means the wife of Cheng Yi because that will be her first She was born somewhere around 1775, probably near the modern day city of Guangzhou. Her story begins, though, in 1801, when she was working on a flower boat where she met and married the pirate Chang Yi, hence her name, Chang Yi Sao. Even though it can't can't be confirmed, many believe she was a prostitute, and this comes from the story of how she met her husband Chang Yi. The story goes that Chang Yi decided it was time to settle down and take a wife. So he's going to take a break from his... Pirate raids. So he naturally went to a prostitute house. Yes, to find one. He's like, "Where can I find myself my the best wife I can?" A flower boat. Yes. So he ordered some prostitutes to be kidnapped and brought to him. <laughs> Cheng Yi Sao was the most beautiful of the prostitutes that were uh, taken. You could probably say taken hostage. Is that is that a fair word no, that's, to use? That's a fair word. All right. And Changi immediate, immediately asked her to marry him. When she was untied in order to give him an answer, she attacked him violently and attempted to claw out his eyes. At this point, he's like, this one is definitely a keeper. (laughs) I like this one. Display of violence only served to further endear him um, to her, and he would promise her jewels and fine skills if she became his wife. She countered by requesting half his fleet and half his wealth. He was like, yes. Wow. Prenups. It's like early prenup. That's really early. Prenup. Yeah, she's ahead of her time. Soon after their marriage, the couple became involved in the Tay Son Rebellion that was happening in present day Vietnam. Um, so, Vietnam had been fighting China for a very, very long time for independence. And then they're going to fight the French. And then they're going to fight the Japanese. And then they're going to fight the French again. And then they're going to fight America. Yep. It's a very long road to independence. But the Tay the Ta- Son paid Chinese pirates to fight for them. This would transform them into professional fighters, and for the first time, they were united and fighting together. Immediately following the unsuccessful rebellion, Chinese pirates were out of a job and returned home and began to fight each other. In 1805, however, Chang Yi developed a plan to form a pirate confederation. They would form a fleet that had seven captains, all which would report to Chang. The subfleets would be classified by the color of flag they flew. Um... Like there's the red fleet, green fleet, the, the yellow fleet, all oh, all the fleets. For How does t- the white fleet surrender? That's, that's that's a good question. Maybe no one takes them seriously. Maybe that's like your worst fleet. Yeah, they're just like sitting there on a on a on a junk with the white flag on. Yep, and they're like, yep. So, for two years, the Changs were quite successful expand, expanding their fleet and adding more and more wealth. Then, 1807, tragedy strikes. Chang Yi dies. No one knows how. Some say he drowned, others say he died fighting, but he's dead. So, Chang Yi Sao will fill the leadership void that was left by the death of her husband, and she is going to be accepted by the Pirate Confederation as their leader. Uh, Chinese culture of the period often saw the spouse assuming the responsibility left behind by that spouse, so this was not abnormal. Her first order of business was to appoint a new captain of the Red Flag Fleet, which was considered to be the most powerful. She appointed Cheng Pao, who also happened to be her adoptive son. Cheng Pao was captured by Cheng Yi as a young man and put in the service in one of his fleets. Cheng Pao caught the commander's eye, and he was adopted by Cheng as a son in order to establish the all-important family bond that was necessary for business interaction in China. Eventually, though, things get weird, and Cheng Pao marries Cheng Isao. So she's just married her adoptive son. That's fun. Yeah. So under her guidance, the fleet would increase from fifty thousand to seventy thousand men. The Confederate. Uh, confederation outmanned outgunned anyone who tried to stand up against it including the imperial forces from europe uh, the confederation created a protection scheme on the unguarded coast of china fishermen and merchant merchants basically paid the pirates for protection here quotes protection from other pirates also probably from protection from them it's like hey pay us money and we won't sink your boat it's like the mafia yes it's very much so like that Uh, The system kept vessels safe and provided restitution if the fleet failed to prevent an attack. It generated enough money to sustain the fleet and its men. The system uh, was quite the achievement. Yi sao essentially built a navy and developed a program to keep it afloat. A woman with no training in military tactics or management had created a force that had China and European countries shaking. She would also lead pirates on pillaging expeditions to wealthy villages. Nobody was able to stop her. Chinese Navy was useless in holding her back and had to work with England for help. So they had to go to England and be like, hey, can we borrow some of your boats? We will pay you. And England's like, fine, here, here's some of our crappy ones. And it doesn't do anything. So when that didn't work, they then have to go to the Portuguese. Portuguese are also setting up colonies in China. Macau is a Portuguese colony. They're like, can you help us? Portuguese is like, fine. Couldn't stop. Yi Sao was unstoppable. She was able to fend off an attack off the coast of Lantau Island. Uh, she was able to defeat the vessels that were sent to destroy her and just sail away. Chinese officials actually sailed out to watch the battle, thinking that this was going to be her demise, and then quickly saw their own boat sinking. Yeah, that happened a lot. Mm-hmm. She was really good at beating up the Portuguese and Chinese. just straight out like pirate genius here. One of the accomplishments that she is most known for is the creation of a pirate code. Uh, The code was extremely strict. Most offenses were punishable by death. Anyone caught giving commands on their own or disobeying a command from a superior is to be immediately decapitated was one of the codes. She was all about chopping off heads. Uh, Pilfering from common treasury or public fund or stealing from villagers who supplied the pirates were capital offenses. Punishable by... decapitation decapitation. no pirate could retain any good before inspection goods had to be registered and then distributed by the fleet leader to the rest of the men Uh, 20 percent of the booty is to be returned to the original captor and the remainder was placed in a joint treasury or storehouse currency was to be handed over to the squadron leader part was to be turned over to the fleet a bit back to the captor if any pirate goes privately on shore they were to be taken and their ears were to be mutilated and then they were going to be paraded around the fleet, and then executed. By decapitation. Yes. Why are they chopping off their ears first? And the, oh man, that's just that's just tame. I guess. Don't go on shore. Uh, not the least shall be taken privately from the stolen and plundered goods. All shall be registered. Pirates receive for themselves. Um, kind of recover that one, and then. Um, Women captured from villages shall not be harmed or harassed. All women captive shall be registered, their place of origin recorded and given separate quarters. Those who commit adultery with the women captive shall be executed. By decapitation? Yes. And then the women would be thrown off the boat with weights tied to their feet. That's odd. So men were permitted to marry captives. Men were permitted to be married but they weren't allowed to basically see their wives on the boat oh. and the wives were allowed to be on the boat. And if there was any type of mingling between the husband and the wife, husband would get decapitated, wife would get thrown overboard. Lovely. She thought that, she thought that marriage was a distraction. I mean, given how she married, um, her adoptive son. Yeah. Yeah. She might have marriage issues. So Changi Sao's pirating spree cannot go on forever. She did not go out in a blaze of glory like you would think. Uh, there was internal dissension that led to this, the surrender of the force. Um, Ku Pao Tai was the leader of the Black Flag Fleet, which was the second largest. He fancied to be commander of the Red Flag Fleet. Once the partnership ended, he would take a deal with the Chinese government for amnesty. Changi Sao saw the writing on the wall and would still do and would do the same. After an unsuccessful conference between Cheng Pao and government officials, Cheng Yi Sao took it upon herself to take the lead in negotiations. She realized she was getting older and could not be a pirate forever. This girl's got a woman's got a good head on her shoulders. So figured that they should go out on top with the government's blessing. She stepped off her ship and traveled to the governor's general's headquarters completely unarmed. Accompanying her were a bunch of women with their children. She chose to enter negotiations unarmed and let her past speak for itself, which gave her the upper hand negotiations. I have a feeling she was probably saying something along the lines like, if you do anything to me, my massive pirate fleet is sitting outside waiting to take over your country. Yeah. Because <laughs> no, you guys can't stop us. And the Chinese government was probably like, she's right. <laughs> <laughs> she would ask for a settlement where the pirates could keep all their money, avoid jail, and get jobs in the military if they wished. For Chang Pao, she got him a commission in the Navy, while at the same time, he was able to keep his own private fleet. The government gave her a large sum of money, which was used to help pirates transition to civilian life. She's got like a work release program for the pirates. <laughs> like I said, she's got a good head on her shoulders. Chinese government was so desperate to get her out of the water that they gave into her demands. She would live with Cheng Cheng Pao in uh, Fujian province until his death in 1822. The two actually had a son in 1813. She would continue making large sums of money after piracy, but no one knows how. Some say it was running an illegal gambling house probably what would be modern-day Macau, so probably. it's like the Chinese Las Vegas. Some say it was larging, running the largest brothel on the ocean. Probably so she both. had bought herself a flower boat. Um, anyway, she would die in 1844 at the age of 69, being one of the most profitable pirates in the history of piracy. So that is the story of Cheng Yi Sao. Arg Arg Yo-ho-ho in ho, a <laughs> bottle of rum. <laughs> where was Jack Sparrow? Arrgh. Well, thank you for listening, and join us next week. Thank you for tuning in to History Class After Hours, the show where we talk about the things your history teachers didn't have time to teach you. If you wanted to stay updated on upcoming events for the History Club, please visit www.starsmillhistoryc.wixsite.com forward slash 2020. If you liked this episode, please share it with your friends and subscribe to our channel on iTunes podcast, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Be on the lookout for new episodes, and we'll be posting every week. Until next time, stay curious.